The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. You can follow James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, Going to get to your latest Farm Futures piece, James. Also take a look at the uh, Futures game, ro- game rosters that were released earlier today. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Some talented young players there. First, though, I want to uh, give a heads up that you know, Ken Rosenthal is reporting that Steven Matz uh, going to be promoted. The team has not confirmed, but somebody that you know probably should be owned in most formats. I'd say even probably you know twelve team mixers and beyond, maybe even ten if if you're as high on them as some people. I mean the the numbers in the Pacific Coast League so far this year, absolutely outstanding. Also have a, a Twitter question from a friend of the show, Timothy Crawford at Mallory's Papa. Uh, hope this isn't too late for you, Timothy. But James, I'll throw this up to you. Wants to know, he has to make room on his uh, keeper league team. Joe Ross, Aaron Nola, or Henry Owens? One has got to go. Who is it? Henry Owens. Uh, kind of an easy call, uh, <laughs> yeah. just just based on the other two guys. I mean, not, not easy to part ways with Owens, but impossible to part ways with Nola or Ross in that scenario. Yeah, and the... You know, we've talked about Owens kind of at length even before on, on previous episodes, but 3.40 ERA at AAA Pawtucket, but the the walks, I, I still don't understand why those are so high. Could be wrong about this, but uh, at least after like his last start, or maybe his second to last start, he led all the minor leagues in walks this year. Yeah, 45 in 76 and two-thirds innings compared to just 54 strikeouts. I mean, he's he's had good strikeout rates throughout you know, the previous years, but... Uh, down to 6.9 K per nine this year, and with the increase in walks, uh, pretty troubling. I still think, you know, he'll be a back-end starter in time, but uh, I, I definitely agree there. So, Timothy, I hope that helps you out and you're able to uh, pick up a nice option on your team. Now, we'll, we'll check out these futures, futures game rosters. I have a hard time saying this. Futures game rosters. 
Uh, the, the U.S. team, of course, versus the world team, going to be pretty exciting. We got for the U.S. team, uh, Kyle Schwarber, no-brainer there. Kyle Farmer as well. Outfielders, Michael Conforto, Aaron Judge, Brandon Nimmo, Kyle Waldrop, my boy making it. Nice to see. Nick Williams, your boy making it. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, infielders for the U.S. team, Josh Bell, J.P. Crawford, Tony Kemp, Matt Olson, Richie Schaefer, Trevor Story, and Trey Turner. On the, st- on the pitching side, you got Amir Garrett, uh, Sean Newcomb, Blake Snell, Mark Appel, Tyler Beattie, Zach uh, Davies, Carl Edwards, Ju- <laughs> Carl Edwards Jr. Really? I didn't actually <laughs> know that that was a guy. No, that's uh, that's C.J. Edwards. Like he, oh, he changed, nice. He changed his name. I, I was about to say. Yeah. Like, I didn't know like there was a NASCAR driver in the minors. But uh, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola, and uh, Colin Ray. But uh, this is a pretty pretty nice team. Some questionable uh, inclusions, I guess you could say. But well, like the first thing that you have to keep in mind when you're looking at these rosters is that it's not just them picking. You know, these are the best guys. <laughs> like you know, I mean, the Dodgers uh, denied a request for Corey Seager to be on this team. Uh, teams are allowed to do that. I mean, if you see someone who you think is just an obvious uh, exclusion here, then it probably means their team did not want him playing in this game for whatever reason. I mean, I think like Matt's right, right. You know, I mean, a guy that might be called up uh, or just, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, some pitchers, you know, they, they would based on their schedule or whatever innings they had planned, wouldn't want them pitching in this game. Uh, certain players uh, like a team may have a player. They really want to go to that game instead of a, a you know, maybe a more highly touted prospect. So, uh, that's why you'll see some of this stuff. Also, like the big league All Star Game, every team needs to be represented in this. So you'll have, you know, the Tigers probably don't deserve anyone in this, but they they have a guy, and you know, we'll we'll get to the the world team here in a minute. But uh, definitely don't don't just be like, oh, these are the best prospects in baseball mm-hmm. because they're on the futures team roster. Yeah, that's definitely good to point out. I mean, some people may look at this and say, oh, I should maybe go grab this guy. Tony Kemp, I mean... I, I like Tony Kemp. He's all right. But, I mean, like, yeah, th- yeah, there's a lot of guys on this list that are outside the top 100 prospects and not even ranked in the top 200 in some cases. Kyle Farmer, is he one of them? He's, I mean, he's, yeah, he's not going to be ranked. Uh, there's, you know, you, a lot of pitchers on the world team that wouldn't be ranked. Uh, we'll we'll get to them. Uh, Mark Appel made, made the cut. He was recently, actually just yesterday, promoted to AAA. But another guy who was recently promoted to AAA that far more interesting to me, and that's Aaron Judge, kind of the, the big slugger here in this lineup, well, aside from Schwarber. But, uh, you know, Judge, with the, that move up, you know, I, I think it was, you know, he definitely earned that promotion. It wasn't like, you know, they're just throwing him out without him really raking and, and you know, forcing their hand. But this is somebody who's – you know, I, I would say as early as next year uh, could have a pretty prominent role in, in terms of fantasy. Uh, are we looking at a potential top fifty player with this guy? Uh, possibly. I think that there's, you know, there's some risk in the profile just because of how tall he is, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's going to have to hit enough to to let that power play. But this is the guy of all the hitters in this game from either team. I mean, he's the one with the most power. He's the one that you would get there early to watch watch in BP. So. Uh, definitely, I mean, a guy that's probably owned in all dynasty leagues at this point and someone that, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe he gets a look, uh, on the big league level later this season. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they, uh, hard fit right now with everybody healthy, but one injury, maybe two, uh, could create some just room. A, or just like a September guy, you yeah, know, exactly. you know, once, once rosters expand, it makes sense to have a, a guy with that kind of power in the lineup every third day or something and, and useful off the bench as well. Yeah, absolutely. And in the... AL East, I mean, nobody's really separating themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Yankees could very well be in it at that time. Slugging 516 at AA Trenton before the call-up. 12 homers, 16 doubles, uh, 3 triples. I really, really like what he brings to the table. And somebody that, I mean, you mentioned owned in all formats. Uh, you know, if I had to see what it would cost because I still think, even though the, the prospect profile is raising, I, I don't know if – if people really know exactly, uh, you know what this guy offers in terms of raw power, so I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, what about you know Nick Williams is a guy that you know we've talked about. Of course, you, you made that trip down to Northwest Arkansas, got to see him, uh, and we, we talked about Nomar Mazar as well, who's uh, made the team on the the world side. 
What, what's up with uh, Nick Williams? Do you think, you know, he's somebody that could get a look later this year, kind of like, like Judge, like September only, do you think? I don't see it really with, with Williams. I think he's going to be the, the last guy. Well, Alfaro might be the last guy because he got hurt, but I think of that that group that started the year together at double a, I think Williams would be the last guy to get to the show just because, uh, you know, his, his spot is kind of taken by Leonis Martin and they, I mean, he's a guy that he's shown major strides this year, like cut his K rate basically in half, which is very impressive and more than doubled his walk rate this year. But, uh, still a guy who I think is someone that you want to kind of make, really really earn the promotion from mm-hmm. from level to level yeah good to see he's making those changes in his uh approach uh but you know good to let him work you know continue to work on that and really refine it before giving him the call and amir garrett my guy six foot five left-hander of course former you know college basketball player ended up you know giving up that dream and, and focusing exclusively on baseball and the results so far uh, with high A Daytona this season have been really good. I mean, two and five record, but three two two ERA, averaging nine point seven strikeouts per nine. Likely to see that walk rate come down a bit. It's three point eight walks per nine, but you know, as a lefty, especially in this organization, I mean, we're seeing you know three three uh, lefties in, or three rookies in that rotation right now, and you know, there, there's probably going to be, well, of course, with Johnny Cueto and Mike Leaker gone. Uh, a pretty clear path for a guy like Garrett. He's 23. You know, he's still pretty raw even at that age. And, at, you know, the fact that he's at high kind of speaks to that. But with this guy, what what is the ceiling here and what is the potential risk in rostering him? Uh, you know, I think he's a, a surefire top 100 guy at the moment. So in, in formats like that, I think he's got to be uh, owned somewhere. And, and he's he's someone with number two upside, I think, at this point. I mean, the the ceiling on him just keeps – keeps rising as as he continues to to show that he can handle uh, advanced competition so uh yeah i mean this is a guy who coming into the year wasn't on my top 200 going into next year might be you know in 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 that 50 range you know mm-hmm. 50 to 60 range so definitely someone who's who's really imp- improved his stock this year yeah the athleticism with it, a guy like garrett is what i really like to not only you know of course the, the strikeout ability ability to miss bats uh, but I think, you know, his his athleticism and the fact that he's he's still kind of learning this. If he if he pulls it all together, uh, you know, the fact that he can you know, field the position probably better than a lot of a lot of top prospects in the game. You know, big guy as a lefty too. I think that's going to help him really carve out a spot in this rotation before too long. I mean, he, he's at high right now, but I could see him making the jump to Double A uh, before the end of the season. Uh, maybe starting back at Double A to start next year, but uh, then it may be somewhat of a quick rise from there to the majors. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I th- I think he probably gets there there uh, next year sometime. I, the one one guy I do want to actually hit before we move to the uh, the world team, or maybe we might hit on a maybe another pitcher, but uh, I do want to hit on actually Tony Kemp uh, for the Astros, just because I don't think many people might be aware of him, just because the the pedigree is definitely not there. Yeah, uh, he did just make the the latest uh, top 200 uh, that I put out just because he he really reminds me in so many ways of Jose Altuve who he's hmm. gonna obviously get compared to just based on his size and what position he plays but this is a guy who got on base at a at a 457 clip in 50 games at double a walked uh, you know significantly more than he struck out now he's he's walking more than twice as much as he's striking out in a in a short stretch so far at triple a still getting on base well over a 40 percent clip there so um you know got good speed not much power but the hit tool and the the plate i mean the approach at the plate are, are some of the best in in all the minor leagues now will he ever get a chance to to play second base for the astros i mean i think that he would probably need a, an injury to jose altuve for that to happen but someone who i think should be given a shot to be a big league uh, second baseman somewhere, maybe maybe not in Houston, but somewhere within the next uh, year or so. He'd make a, a pretty obvious, you know, trade chip. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, they're looking to probably bolster that rotation. Uh, I feel like, you know, there'd and, definitely be interest. And just like Altuve, th- this isn't a guy that I I don't think they want to get rid of him at all because he, he might have some of the best makeup in all the the minor leagues as well. I mean, he's he's a great guy to have in your clubhouse. He's someone who 
Uh, I think they, they purposely moved up every step of the way with Carlos Correa just because they liked the, the way that he influenced Correa and some of those other young guys on, on those teams. So um, not a guy who I think they would part with willingly, but like you said, I mean, the end goal is to make the big league club better, and if there's nowhere to play him there and you can contend this year, that might make sense. Just one home run so far this season and 293 plate appearances between AA and AAA, but he had eight last year. A uh, pretty decent number to go along with 41 stolen bases, caught only 13 times, and uh, the, the hit tools really was, was probably going to carry him to to a regular job, I would think, uh, if not with the Astros, with another club. But uh, you know, he also can play some in the outfield, but but you see his future in the in the middle infield. Yeah, I, I would think so. And just just a guy, I don't think you got a roster him yet, and yeah. not a guy who. Some someone that you really just kind of always gets overlooked on on prospect rankings, just yeah. because the the lack of pedigree, the lack of size, the lack of that one, you know, when when the hit tool is the carrying tool, it's it can be tough for for a guy to stand out because you know people have to just really believe in it. But someone who I, I'm sure is out there in a, in a lot of leagues right now. Yeah the the play discipline. I mean the numbers, the walk decay really. Uh, encouraging and yeah a fifth round pick I threw his name out there kind of hastily just kind of joking around but yeah he's uh you know looking at the numbers I I don't know a lot about this guy he's flying under the radar I, I was just sure. happy to see him on the team just because yeah. I like seeing guys like that get rewarded in in a scenario like this because you know all we all we hear about is the guys that you know the first round picks and and the guys that signed for a ton of money and everything, but it's it's good to see a guy who's just continued to grind and force his way up the ladder get get this opportunity. Probably better than Matt Kemp right now. Yeah, uh, it's been rough. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of talent on the world team as well. Uh, on the pitching side, Jairo Labor, uh, Jose Barrios, Edwin Diaz, Jarlin Garcia, Juan Gonzalez, Juan Gun, nice. Uh, Wei Che Huang, uh, Joe Jimenez, Curry Mella, uh, Frankie Montas. Alex Reyes for catchers, Elias Diaz and Gary Sanchez outfielders, Socrates, Brito, uh, Manuel Margot, Nomar Mazzara, Jorman Rodriguez, Raimel Tapia infielders, Ozeno Albies, Orlando Arcia, Chesler Cuthbert, uh, Rafael Devers, Max Kepler, Kettle Marte, Raul Mondesi and Renato Nunez. You know, some really interesting guys here. I actually kind of want to start with Ozeno Albies who, you know, really impressed with what he did last year. Didn't know much about him. He's still just 18 years old. He's not going to turn 19 until j- next January. Uh, is that low A Rome and really, you know, kind of, you know, kind of bidding for a promotion up already. Uh, batting 322 with a 376 on base, 22 walks to 37 strikeouts, 407 slug. Uh, doesn't have a homer this year, but 13 doubles, five triples. And, you know, the, the moneymaker in terms of, you know, not only play in the field, but you know, future fantasy value, stolen bases, twenty-two steals in twenty-eight attempts. This is one where you know we talk a lot about Jose Peraza um, being an option, and of course they have Andleton Simmons, you know, who whose defense would seem to lock him in for a while. But Albies is seems to be you know still at at his age, you know, even though he's doing well, quite a quite a ways away. Um, do you think that they just wait this out and see how Simmons fares over the next couple of seasons before, you know, worrying about where they're going to fit Albies into the, the major league lineup? Yeah. I don't even think they have to consider uh lineup or roster construction with regard to Albies for at least two or three more years. I mean, I remember, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Raul Mondesi and, you know, I, I took Mondesi in our, inaugural skl2 draft and that was you know almost three years ago now and he's still at like double a so i mean it's it can be a really slow uh rise for for these guys and it's and it's not like he's just going to continue to to dominate each level he he goes to so you know once he gets to to high a or double a things will inevitably emerge that he needs to to work on and yeah, I mean, there's no reason to rush him. We're we're seeing how they're handling Peraza right now. I mean, they're they're certainly not rushing him. So yeah, uh, it kind of shows you just uh, how long it might be until until he's up at the big leagues. Did Albies get taken in SKL too? I don't think so. That's kind of surprising to me. But yeah, with you know getting off topic just slightly, but Peraza, I did think he would get an opportunity. You know, 
within the first three months. Hasn't happened. Doesn't look like he's really on the verge. I mean, the numbers aren't bad. No, but I, I didn't even like that that piece I did. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, just on, you know, the next guy's up. I didn't even didn't even list him just because I don't yeah. I don't think he's gonna be up this year just based on, you know, where everything about the team and Jace Peterson's just, playing pretty right, well. Right. I, I mean, mean they they just he I think he really had to just force the issue to um, get the chance and he hasn't done that so far. I thought maybe if they kept him in center field, it might be an option to push Cameron Maven to left potentially, but now they have Malik Smith coming up, and he's going to be the everyday, you know, center fielder. So, you know, uh, looks like Peraz is, you know, second base pretty much exclusively moving forward. They did say that he might see uh, occasional time, and and this in center field still, but we will see about that. Uh, now, Rymel Tapia, of course, he made the list. Somebody that I know you're high on. You 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 broke the bank to get him in SKL two last year, but sure it actually did. turned out kind of bad for me because i got kemp who's terrible um <laughs> he's really i'm really anchored, dogging he's really anchored that, your yeah. uh your average <laughs> literally yeah that second half surge um, uh and then brian mccann and whatever else but was that tapia, the is that the correa deal too or no no that was no, a different different deal. different deal but tapia i think i got i got kemp mccann and roll Mondesi for tapia but yeah, at the same no, time I, I i gave up all three of those guys for Tapia. That's yeah. that's how much I wanted it. I didn't. That's, I didn't want to trade him at all. But you just kept doing. That's it. what it took. <laughs> I kept. I kept throwing in pieces until <laughs> until he was mine. You know, um, I, that's. I like that approach in dynasty leagues. If you love a guy, I mean, yeah. you may not want to. You know, he needed to come home. He needed to. <laughs> he needed to come home to to the to, to his rightful team. And yeah, yeah, I mean, he's gonna be a big part of my outfield. Hopefully, I mean, with him and. Nick Williams and Nomar Mazzara all kind of coming up together. It's, it's exciting. Exciting times for the flops. <laughs> yeah, 80-grade flops. Um, but, I, I mean, my team is, isn't any better. And, you know, I, I like this, though. You know, you you stand behind a prospect. You really go all in. You, you live and die with them. Uh, that was Bobby Stevenson, in my case, a couple, several years ago. But getting him, that was like, you know, bringing him home. He, you know, he either thrives or he – you know, falters under my watch, and that's how I want it to be. Now, uh, we'll move on here, though. What about what about Mondesi? I mean, we talked about him. He's at Double A. Um, you know, it seems like he's going to be an option eventually. I mean, Alcides Escobar not great so far this year, but Mondesi probably not going to be an option uh, probably till late next season. Do you think? Maybe. Uh- I wouldn't even be surprised if it wasn't t- till 2017, just just because he missed so much time this year with that injury. Uh, you know, he's gotten off to a pretty good start, but just you know, just walking at a 3.2 percent clip, mm-hmm. uh, they aren't going to push him that that hard. I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine. I mean, he's still just 19, so I think he finishes this year out at Double A. If he finishes out strong, he starts next year at Triple A. And then, you know, who knows? I mean, it'll depend how he handles that. It'll depend. You know, they're obviously not going to bring him up to play on a part-time basis. I think that his defense is so good that it just really would be tough to to move him to second base uh, because you'd be sacrificing so much value there. And so, I mean, you know, maybe they try to trade Alcides or, or, or who knows what happens. But I, I wouldn't bank on him coming up until late late next year at the earliest. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know the the OPS um against lefties still not great, but as far as overall play, I mean, he's uh had a 219 average, a 276 on base against lefties last year. He's shown some growth in that department this year. Uh batting 316 against lefties this year with a 364 on base. Not slugging much, but you know that that growth is good to see especially for that type of player. And the Royals, I think it's interesting, you know, they they're kind of said rumored to be in the market for a a top arm, maybe a Johnny Cueto type. I mean, I don't know, but do you think uh, Mondesi's off the table for that club? Oh man, uh, that would be that'd be a tough one to to kind of live with. I think. I mean, I I don't think any prospect is necessarily all the way off the table, but with guys that a team really really likes, like Mondesi, I mean, they're not. I don't think they're down on him at all, like they were mm-hmm. with a guy like say Will Myers. Uh, who they they ended up being willing to move. I mean, people would have said that you know Will Myers was probably unavailable, but internally they had their own thoughts on the player. So he was 
uh, readily available for the right pitcher, but I, I don't think they feel that way about Mondesi, so I'd, I'd be pretty shocked to see him moved. But Judge, who we talked about earlier, you think he's off the table? I mean, I, I feel like the Yankees would be very hesitant to move him, even with, you know, kind of a revamped system. Especially there. just because, like, they're a team who has still yet to really, like, since Brett Gardner, what is that? farm system produced i mean i think that they'd really just like another sort of feather in their cap you know as yeah. an organization to say hey like we we developed this guy and you know now he's one of the the future faces of our team so i think it'd be really tough for them to part with judge i'm with you there i, I think they want that homegrown guy as well and was there a starter uh, a pitcher on the world side that that you wanted to, to look at in particular? Uh, the, you know, the two guys that, that jump right out, I mean, uh, two guys we haven't talked a ton about are, are Curry Mella and Alex Reyes. You know, Reyes, obviously, the guy with, you know, the crazy strikeouts. So he's he's probably the guy who I'd be most excited to watch, just see, you know, which how many guys he can, he can punch out in his inning or so of work. Uh, might have the most electric stuff of, of anyone pitching in this game. Um and then, you know, Mella is a guy who I, I kind of pumped up before the season. I think we were the only site that had him in the, the top 100 for prospects, and that's that's not looking bad right now. I mean, he's he's tearing it up. Uh, it's it's going to be a slow a slow rise for him just because it's it's kind of all about how many innings can he handle because there have been some, some injury issues in the past. But, you know, right now at, at high A, sitting there with a, a two nine five ERA, almost a, a strikeout per inning. Uh, the starts have been kind of short. I mean, they're not letting him him go too deep into games. I think they might keep him at high A all season, but they might take the training wheels off next year, and he could he could move pretty fast. And that's a team that you know they they always seem to get by with sort of mediocre pitching in the back of that rotation. But this is a guy who I think kind of profiles as you know maybe the second or third pitcher in that rotation long term so definitely a guy who given the eventual home ballpark and the the kind of nasty combination of, of stuff and command i think this is a guy to, to really watch quickly I, I mean you mentioned earlier that teams can deny players you know refuse them uh, as options for this game and you know with a guy like Matts who should be on there but you know it seems like they have imminent plans to call him up does the twins allowing Barrios to pitch in this game kind of suggests to you that he's not uh, an immediate option. Yeah, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't say it's a, a good thing. I mean, yeah. I. Yeah, that's not that's not looking too promising there. Um, I thought you know I thought he'd you know because we obviously brought up Bucks and I thought uh, given the need there that that he'd be up relatively soon, but it looks like uh, maybe quite a well, while. And what do you you know what do you read into the fact that? Miguel Sano's not on this team. Yeah, I mean that's that. True. You know that's that's kind of interesting. I mean, I think they would have. I mean, obviously the the futures game would love to have both those guys. So the fact that they, I think they quite obviously said no on Sano, mm-hmm. and they were willing to to have Barrios do it. I mean that that probably tells you which guy's closer to call getting called up. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Sano's a guy I went out and picked up in one of my single season leagues, uh, just as a flyer, just because I had a an extra bench spot to to use and. Uh, you know, just that power potential with him makes me very intrigued and looking forward to seeing him up eventually. Who knows when? But we'll move on to your latest Farm Futures piece, uh, looking at international league pitchers. Uh, we'll kind of touch on this briefly, but I uh, definitely want to take you know get your insights here. Um, if if you don't have a RotoWire subscription, be sure to uh, check out uh, RotoWire.com/pod to get free ten days on us. No credit card required. Now. Severino's last start for Triple A Scranton Wilkesbury uh, against Lehigh Valley seven and two thirds innings just four hits two runs allowed but none earned no walks seven Ks what jumped out to you as far as the skill set with this guy well he's he's fastball changeup all the way I mean it's it's pretty pretty great to watch when he's got it going and he definitely had it going in that start on on Sunday I mean the the change or the fastball I'd, I'd put a 70 on it currently I mean it's it's mid 90s sits there deep into his start uh the change up I'd probably put like a 60 on right now but you know there, there's the the one thing that really jumped out to me watching him pitch uh, this is my first kind of extended look at him uh was that he really has a a messed up kind of finish uh in his delivery and when he 
throws a fastball, especially a high fastball, which was the the way that he got uh, you know at least five of those strikeouts. I think was was you know fastballs uh, out of the zone up. He basically finishes standing straight up. Like it, it's a weird. It's almost like he's playing catch. You know where you can kind of you can kind of picture it in your head if a guy just yeah. is rearing back and just rips it, but then kind of finishes standing straight up. I mean that you don't see that very often. But then you compare that to when he threw his slider or his changeup, and he's you know falling off the mound to the left. You know it's it's completely different finish mm-hmm. on whether he's throwing a fastball or a breaking ball. Uh, you know that's not the type of thing that's going to typically tip pitches. I don't think just because the the amount of time between when you could pick that up and when the ball actually gets there, I don't think there's a, a big enough window there to kind of to sit on on one of those pitches. But it is it's it's definitely worth noting because you don't see that with a lot of guys. I mean, he definitely can't repeat his his mechanics on on from pitch to pitch. And, you know, the, the posture is kind of terrible. I mean, the balance is all off. But I, I almost wonder if some of that sort of leads to him being so tough to hit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's like so funky that it might just work. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it, it just probably messes with hitters. Like, And the only times that guys were able to hit him in this start was when they guessed breaking ball and sat back on it and were able to like kind of punch it in the outfield. Uh, they couldn't hit his fastball even when they knew it was coming. They were getting just c- completely fooled when they would sit fastball and he would throw a changeup. I mean, there were just some some really some bad-looking swings. So it's definitely working so far. And, and with guys like that, that that sort of have, you know, something you really haven't seen before like, like he does with his, his delivery – you have to make them prove it like at every level because you're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, Oh, that'll definitely work in the big leagues. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to make them prove it at every level, but so far he has, you know, I think it's interesting. You think that that could work. I mean, I think it could as well, just given that it it adds to the deception and kind of adds to the stuff realistically, but you know, this isn't a huge guy. He's, He's six feet, 195 pounds. Does that injury combine or that delivery combined with you know his build kind of uh, heighten some injury concerns for you at all? I think of him a lot, like I think of Giordano Ventura mm-hmm. in terms of that. I, I really I shied away from Ventura this year just because the price was so much that I didn't see much room to profit there, mm-hmm. and I I felt like if if you were put a gun to my head and say pick a guy who's going to need Tommy John this year. I think Ventura would have probably been my pick just mm-hmm. because of the the torque on his arm, uh, the slight frame. I I kind of wonder the same thing about about Severino. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, that we've seen plenty of guys with, you know, everybody's been saying for how many years that Chris Sale's eventually gonna his arm's gonna fall off, and he's you know one of the two or three best pitchers in all of baseball and has been for a while. So it can definitely work, but it's it's definitely you know I'd say it's more risky with Severino than it would be you know another pitcher of his caliber in the minor leagues i think the Jordano comp is is really a good one because you know just given the build and you know kind of what they offer but i would say you know severino's control is is really good uh so i think he's not much of a whip it's so crazy that he has good control when you watch (laughs) him pitch like it's how does he hit his spots and I, i mean i think a lot of it isn't necessarily uh He's not always in the zone, but hitters tend to chase a good amount of the pitches he throws out of the zone. Yeah, averaging just 5.5 strikeouts per nine since moving up to Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, even with those seven he had, but uh, not something I'm concerned with. I mean, he's just 21 years old facing AAA competition. You know, probably take a little while to adjust. And the fact that he's averaging 11.4 strikeouts per nine with Trenton just kind of speaks to uh, just the the upside he has there. And, yeah, I, I think you know you point out some good things, especially with the yeah. There, there's risk with this guy, but I think the upside is enough to to put him in you know in my top thirty prospects. Is he you know right there for you? I forget exactly where he he checked in on your latest update. I forget where I had him too. I mean, he's he's probably he was probably right around there. I think now, especially yeah, thirty eight, but a lot of graduation, especially given the graduations and how well he's pitched since then. I think he's he's quite easily a top thirty guy. And and if we're just talking for twenty fifteen, 
Ah, man, now that Matt's is up, I yeah. think he might be tops in terms of pitchers to own that are still in the minor leagues. Yeah, I I really wanted to get him in our reserve round draft, but somebody bid on him in the auction. Like, really? That, I mean, I, that, I get that I wanted to – I get the appeal, but that, you're going to have to uh, sit on him for a long time. That happened to me with Schwarber because, like, I wanted – I was just – I just assumed that Schwarber would be there with my first – reserve pick because i had the first pick and i was like well you know what's how far away is schwarber i mean he's got to be at least a year now of course the guy that bit a buck on him uh, i think that was to perser now of course that looks like a looks like brilliant. a genius yeah. uh move by him but i mean i got mazara so it's it's all fine but <laughs> yeah I mean. yeah that that's a good consolation for sure uh you know you just while we're on the topic of schwarber when do you think he's up again? I mean, I I just want to know because personally, I was thinking about picking up in my NL only because he was dropped. Uh, I'm just dropping Nori Aoki, but what what do you think? When's he gonna be up? Uh, well, like I'll tell you this. I mean, we're in the same league, but I I think that you're a you're a gentleman and you won't you won't <laughs> take this and and push up the price. But I, I'm gonna put a bid on Schwarber in in our stake league. Uh, try to try to scoop him up. I really don't think he's going to be down much longer especially just because this this Cubs offense is kind of slumping pretty pretty hard right now and that lineup just looks so much so much better when he's in it like yeah. I mean I don't I get that you want to I think how Joe Madden put it like he's got to graduate catcher school or whatever yeah. you know but it's you know do you want to win this year I mean you got a got a shot at a wild card you know I mean you might as well bring him up and you know stop playing guys like Chris Coglin every day and you know Chris Denorfia almost every day. I mean it's it's kind of it's weak. I mean you got you got Rizzo and Bryant sitting there in the 2 and the 3 hole yeah. and they're just <laughs> putting terror into every pitcher's heart, but then once they get past once they get past Bryant at 3, it's kind of a kind of a cakewalk back until the get back up to Rizzo there. So I think it just makes too much sense for him to be down until September. Yeah, and you threw Addison Russell to the Wolves. I mean, I get that there was the positional need there, but I mean, Schwarber showed that he's more than ready yeah, to handle Schwarber's major league pitchers. more ready than Russell is yeah, to face exactly. big league pitchers. I mean, I think everybody knows that. Uh, and it's just, I mean, I get the position thing, but if you go to Schwarber and you say, hey, uh, how about this? You can either stay in AAA until September and catch every day, or you can come up to the big leagues and you can catch like twice a week and play left field when you're not catching. I think you'd take the, the second option. Yeah, me too. And you don't have to worry about me and Stake. I actually have zero fab dollars. <laughs> oh, so. well, at least you're in a good position. Yeah, great position. <laughs> great position to buy a Stake. Um, not good. But, I, you know, I was still, you know, still going to be playing the game, the $0 hey, bid hey, game. You know, you're a stand-up I'm not going to give up. Yeah. I'm not going to give up, hey. all right? It's no been a rough – God, I was counting hey, the you injuries. Hey, you could finish ahead of – I mean, I'm sure there's some guys in that league that you'd take uh, take great pleasure in, in at least finishing ahead of in terms yeah. of the, the, the buyers. Yeah. As long as I win <laughs> one or two leagues, cover the cost of my, my stake at the end, yeah. I'll, be, the I'll happily buy. That's the goal. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just going to be focusing on Schwarber and my NL only. But, you know, we will uh, – We'll, we'll skip the should rest we get, of these. Should we give the list. people what they want. Yeah, we'll give the people what they want. Now we had we're going to be grading out our first rap group. We had some good submissions on Twitter. Uh, the Beat Nuts. Uh, I mean, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Wu Tang Clan. All right. uh, <laughs> quite a few. Um, but we, we settled on Gangstar. Going to be doing a lot. You know, every week we're going to be grading them. Uh, Hip hop group based on the five tools we've established for uh, hip hop groups and on the 20 to 80 scale those five tools we've established lyricism flow longevity impact and swag and of course we're going to give an overall grade at the end as well Uh, of course we're grading rappers or i'm sorry wrestlers for a while but uh, i think this is a a better direction i'm excited about we're versatile yeah we're (laughs) wear many hats and uh i think gangstar is a good one to to start with because uh you know, I think that longevity grade is going to be pretty high, at least for me. Uh, but we'll start with lyricism. This is another one that's a lofty score for me. But but what do you got for, for lyricism? I went with a sixty-five, and uh, no, no, no shame in a sixty-five. I no. I think that there are tracks where Guru is uh, pretty elite with the lyrics, and there are other tracks where you know he's just plus. 
And <laughs> I think it, it kind of, especially like it's there, some of their early work, or at least, you know, maybe like on, on moment of truth or, uh, or hard to earn, like they, there might've been some more tracks where he was just absolutely, you know, out of control lyrically. But then I think, you know, once you get a little later on with like owners and stuff, I mean, that was kind of a album dominated by how good the beats were, I think more so than how good the, the lyrics were. And, you know, it can be tough to sort of stand out if you're the, the rapper behind uh, all these DJ premier beats, like mm. to make, to kind of make your lyrics shine through. Uh, but I think, you know, he was up, up for the challenge and, and, you know, we'll get to this next grade in a minute, but I think what he, what really made Guru so great was his flow. And mm -hmm. that, that kind of made some lyrics that maybe in the hands of, of lesser rappers would have been kind of just completely un, uninspiring. Uh, he made them pretty awesome just by, by the delivery. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And if I uh, just want to say, too, that you know we don't have a grade for beats. We talked about possibly adding that. I think that's kind of incorporated in longevity and impact maybe a little bit but if there were a grade for beats it's I kind mean, of it, it's kind of incorporated into almost all these except for yeah, lyricism you know? yeah exactly and if but if there were i mean that'd be an 80 it, dj it, premiere it'd be the 80s <laughs> of 80s yes without question <laughs> uh for me i mean i'm i'm higher on you than you on on lyricism i got a 75 mark uh just from you know from mass appeal one of my favorite tracks just want to throw this out there Oh, yes, I'm greater than all MCs. When I breeze, give me room, please. I'd be, like, fascinating when I'd be updating, cutting off whack kids, pulling their trump cards. I thump hard and make them say that I'm God. I mean, that's <laughs> that's ill right there. That's one of the nastier uh, rhymes. And I get, you know, the flow, <clears throat> I love the flow, too. Uh, but it was kind of, for me, it was, you know, definitely plus plus. But I, I think the the smoothness and of the of the delivery and the lyrics uh you know the smoothness kind of hype uh accentuated the lyrics i think the lyrics were what really uh were the the standout tool uh for guru yeah okay so we'll get to we'll get to flow now and that's this is what i think the standout tool was for for the group and i think the beats uh really really kind of add to this because you know a track like work or a track like right where you stand i mean those don't oh. get those i mean you don't get those so flows good. without those beats that, that accompany them and i i just think uh you know you could kind of just by those those lyrics you you busted out from mass appeal you can kind of tell you know the way that he uh will kind of rhyme you know a word that you you're expecting to rhyme one of the words and then he rhymes something else mm -hmm. and like just it's kind of like a wu-tang sort of you know east coast style of yeah. of rhyming that i just i really like in terms of uh, a flow and and he's you know extremely versatile i mean you, you can be on tracks like uh you know like take two and pass like a like a slow track like that and and really kill that or he can you know step it up to you know uh, the militia or something like that and, and really kind of go go a little harder, a little faster. Yeah. So uh, definitely definitely uh, an elite flow in my book. Yeah, I, I have a 70. I mean, you got 80, but yeah, the, the flow is definitely plus plus, borderline an elite tool. I mean, yeah, I think you phrased that well. You know, his the, the kind of deception he had in the rhyme scheme and his ability to, you know, kind of adapt not only to the you know the the song he was on but also just different just different uh i don't know how to explain it exactly but different beats i guess and and being able to switch it up like you, you mentioned uh the militia one of my favorite tracks big suge and freddie fox on there as well oh, yeah. uh, but then he could do a track on that same album moment of truth royalty with casey and jojo and just make it work somehow and you got to give some credit to dj premier of course but um yeah, the the flow is nasty. I just knock some points for for creativity just because he didn't have a super unique uh delivery, I'd say, but it was still smooth and and definitely memorable and with, you know, memorability in mind uh longevity here. What do you what do you got here? For longevity, I gave them a 65 uh kind of tragic because you know guru died a few years ago from from an illness and so that obviously put a put a cap on 
on the group and you know they they don't obviously tour or anything and they they haven't toured in a in a while uh because he was he was sick but you know they no more mr nice guy to me i'm not going to quite count and in terms of their in terms of how long they were around that was that was released in 89 uh nothing really from that album that that stands up really today but step in the arena in 1991 all the way to the owners in 2003 uh that's you know that's 12 years right there of of really kind of excellent you know album after album excellent uh productions so uh that's that's a lot longer than a lot of groups go i mean 12 years i mean that's that's a that's a heck of a run so uh you know i i don't want to punish them for for guru's illness kind of cutting cutting the the run mm-hmm. short but i mean I mean, there's some other bands uh, or some other uh, groups that I, I would put a 70, 75, 80 on that w- definitely went longer than they did. Yeah, I I agree with you. But I, I got a 75 here, and I actually just, just bumped it up five points from 70 as you were talking because, you know, you, when they came out with the owners, um, you know, th- that was – Kind of crazy because they were still so good even, you know, right. 2003. Kind of crazy. How many times do you see a, a group or or a band that's been away for five years come mm. out and try to put something out and have it actually be just as good as the, the old stuff? I mean, mm. that's that's almost impossible. That that never happens. I mean, you, you kind of, as long as you're in that groove of pumping something out every couple of years, you can stay at the top of your game. But usually when you take that much time off, it's just kind of, you you sort of lose the, you know what the people are looking for. You're, you're no longer delivering what you used to pump out there. But yeah, I mean the owners was was probably. I mean I can make a case it's one of their two or three best records. Yeah, and yeah, I I love that album, and I still give full clip a lot of spin. I mean, oh yeah, double well, disc, top that, to bottom, that, uh, amazing. It's like a greatest hits, but it's a really really must own greatest hits because there's some uh, tracks on there that were unreleased on their other albums that are that are up there with some of, some of their best songs. So, I mean, if you were to just go out and buy one uh, Gangstar album, full clip stuff, definitely the one to get. Yeah, just encompassing and and all that, but also. You know, the, have you, you remember the song D W Y C K? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank with, Nice with uh, or Greg Nice with uh, so. with Nice and Smooth yep. on there. Yeah, and I see E yeah. grabbing the pesos. <laughs> ah, wee wee. Like I, I love that track. It, yeah. It's kind of simple. The beat isn't complex, but uh, holds up. And so I gotta gotta have a seventy for longevity. Impact. This one's tough because you know impact on. You know, the industry, on other artists, uh, society even. I got a 65. I, I do think they're kind of slept on a bit, but I think uh, they're kind of the the artists' artists, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the groups. Uh, they're, they're widely respected within the industry, so I got a 65. Yeah, I think uh, – I guess that's sort of what I what I kind of look for with, with Impact is sort of how did they – sort of push the the genre forward i mean not necessarily cultural or or pop culture impact but you know how do they impact other other rappers and i i think you can see it pretty clearly in a lot of you know a lot of kanye west's beats and a lot of um you know just blaze and and people like that or even even like the the rizza and and uh you know ninth wonder and people like that i mean they, there's a lot of people that have taken from what what DJ Premier specifically was was doing with with Gangstar and uh, you know a lot of you'd see a lot of solo albums you know guys like people like Nas and Biggie and and Jay Z uh, would have Gangstar tracks you know like like Gangstar mm-hmm. sounding tracks on their albums just because they they wanted that sound on there so uh, yeah I mean I think that the depth you put it a great you know I mean artist artist for sure mm-hmm. yeah I, and. I like what you said there too because Premier, uh, yeah, he. I mean, he jumped around, did did beats for a lot of artists, but also people copying his right. his you know the scratch and the uh, the, the sampling, right? The sampling, yeah, yeah. especially, yeah. Yeah, I. It, but you know, I, I kind of want, you know, all rest in peace and all due respects. I want somebody to not copy him, but kind of a, a new guru to step up and kind of have that kind of easy easy delivery and and just those poignant lyrics again but a lot, lot harder said than done yeah exactly that, can't uh i mean and i don't think premiere premiere wouldn't like let anyone really no. do that i don't even think That's just true. out of respect 
No, that's a good point. Uh, final final tool here, swag. Uh, this one was a tough one for me because you're not your not your classic swag here, but still got a sixty grade on it plus tool. Uh, what do you got, James? Uh, put a seventy just because you know just kind of tying tying into the flow a little bit. Um, you know, and, and some of the, even just some of like the, the short, short interludes they'd have on some of their albums. I mean, you could definitely tell that, that these guys were, were just super cool and, and super chill and, uh, you know, the type of people that you'd, you'd love to just kind of hang out in the studio while they were, while they were making rhymes and stuff. I think that would have been, you know, uh, you know, life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they just, just really kind of OG sort of swag, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, not, not, uh, in terms of like what they were wearing or what they were driving or anything, but just kind of the way they, they talked and everything. You carried kinda, themselves. Yeah, exactly. That self-confidence. Yeah, that's, that is true. I got a 60 on it again, but um, just that kind of quiet confidence, uh, not really pandering to anybody, you no, know, I'm not no, trying to be like all flash. The, the ultimate, like not trying to impress mm-hmm. anybody, you Swag, know, I mean, yeah. just doing it for themselves. Yeah. And you know, the it was kind of '90s typical wear. If we're talking about sure. clothing, you know, extra baggy, not not great. But that's the thing; they they pulled it off somehow just because they were so cool. And yeah, you know, plus tool. But I think you know, if we're looking ahead to some of these other groups, we're going to grade. Uh, I think in the in the spectrum of things, I got to go 60. But we we agree 70 overall. We're kind of across. You know, uh, don't really agree on on most of these tools. Uh, you know, as far as a number. Uh, and any one of them, actually, we're, we differ in every single one, but at the same time, we, we come to the fu- same uh, overall grade, and I think that's uh, entirely fair. But James, thank you for your time, you guys. Let us know if, uh, which rap group you want us to do next. Several uh, possibilities, and be sure to rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. We'll be back with you next Thursday. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.